blue has like a default semantic meaning. By the way, we bought new mics. I hope that you can hear the difference between that episode and the last well, one. I'm sure it's very, very audible. I'm not... Well, I'm kind of sure myself just because I can hear the difference in my voice. Like, I think my voice is way better with that new mic than the older mic. I mean, we've we've both done uh, enough editing to know that our previous mics were shit. <laughs> like, the previous mics were like shit, but, like, what I really di- don't expect while buying a new mic is that the voice would be actually different. I saw, like, the background noise would be different, the actual, like, grain of voice, but not the actual voice. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it kind of is, right? It feels more clear somehow. It feels more like the voice that I actually imagine having. Your voice is always like mediated through something when you hear recordings, so it's never actually the exact same uh, physical signal, but this is a more precise physical signal. Yeah, uh, no, no, but also the different, like there's an actual difference between between what people hear from you and what, peop- and what you hear from yourself. Oh yeah, because you hear it through your bones too. I don't know if that's, uh, uh, how does that compare to what you hear with the mic? I mean, if... But I know that this mic... So we didn't uh, talk about the model we got. We both got the same, right? We both got the exact same mic, same color. I don't know. I have a black one, fully black one. I have a fully black one as well. Okay, same color. Which, uh, by the way, fucked me up really, really... Like, the one thing I hate about this is that it's the blue Yeti, but, like, it's not blue. You spoiled the fucking name of the mic. What? Is that supposed to be a surprise? Yes, it was. Like, we... Knew, we I was <laughs> to say, like... Surprisingly, because it's completely a surprise, we put the Blue Yeti. It's a surprise, but every podcaster has that, doesn't it? That's why it was a bit of an ironic joke. Yeah. <laughs> but we brought up color, and like that's like my main beef against that. Like I, I know nothing about podcasts. Well, I know very little about podcasts. So when you told me like we need the Blue Yeti, is the mic that everyone uses, I didn't know if it was like the model or the color. <laughs> <laughs> And like I spent half an hour on Amazon saying like blue blue yeti and red blue yeti so that was really weird. Okay, so you actually thought okay, I didn't understand your joke uh, like on Messenger when I said like okay, let's buy blue yeti and you were completely excited about the blue part and I was like what? Wait, I thought yeti was the name of the mic and blue was the color. <laughs> Why would I say the blue is important? <laughs> Maybe it's the only color it comes in. I don't know, but. Blue has like a default semantic meaning. It's like not a good brand name. I don't know. Maybe it's other mics. It's I, yeah, no, it's clearly not. Like it's clearly a bit confusing. So like blue is the name of the brand, right? No, Yeti is the name of the brand. Blue is the name of the model. Yeti is the name of the brand and blue is the model. I hate that. That, that means they chose it on purpose. No, okay. It's no, it's, it's the opposite. The name of the brand is blue. <laughs> And the mic is called Yeti. How did they copyright that? Should we, we? We mentioned at the very beginning when we were brainstorming that we might have some kind of uh, meta discussion about how to make a podcast. Should we try to ha- g- give our feedback for other podcasters who might be starting about the Blue Yeti? So yeah, I think we can. Like, okay, it's a bit early for us to do anything of that kind because clearly we're not that good. We might not be the best advice well there's an important piece of advice is put the gain to minimum because it's a very very uh sensitive microphone but i don't even understand why they put the gain so 
guy to begin with. Well, maybe if you use foam on top of it, or, or if you maybe if you want to record pretty tiny noises for music. But it's meant to be a podcast, like it's not meant to record music at all, so it's a bit weird. Maybe for ASMR and whispering. Oh yeah, maybe we should do an ASMR episode. Wait, wait, do you mean an episode about ASMR or an episode using ASMR? Both. About a, uh, the, the the same episode. Yeah, let's add it to the to the endless list of stuff we might do someday. We can no, but like yeah, it's like we can do a full episode whispering in the mic while doing like clickety sounds. <laughs> I I'm not really sure of uh, I'm I'm not very confident about my ability to deliver a, a good performance. This episode's sponsor is. Silence. Silence is a rare luxury product that will surely give an exotic flavor to your next experience. Try it now with this free sample. I'm going to introduce this time topic. So I think a cute way to introduce it is by talking about one of my favorite books, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. A lot of people know uh, the 42 reference. That is the, the answer to uh, the ultimate question about life, the universe and everything. But not a lot of people know the story around it. That is to say, so the computer gave, spouted this uh, the, the answer and then the big problem was like what is it the answer of like what is the actual question right and so the the computer who spouted out the, the this answer it's called the uh, deep thought thought for a long time about the, uh, the, the, the what, what the question is and in the end it said like uh, the, the question's too complicated that's really the heart of the problem right uh, I can't compute it so uh, it offered to design a, a computer better than it to compute this ultimate question and the quote goes uh, it will be a computer that can Calculate the question to the ultimate answer. A computer of such infinite and subtle complexity that organic life itself shall form part of its operational matrix. And yourself shall take on new forms and go down the computer to navigate its 10 million years program. And I shall name it also unto you. And it shall be called the Earth. So... In this book, the Earth well, is essentially a huge computer and all the human and living beings are, let's say, variables to simplify it, living inside it. And that kind of got me thinking about, uh, about whether we can consider the real world, the real Earth and like, the real universe through this lens. Is it really different? I mean, you can see natural selection, Darwinian evolution, as kind of like a computational paradigm. I mean, there is a, a type of algorithm in computer science that is genetic algorithm. That is this exact thing. The uh, paradigm inspired by biology to do computation. So for people who don't know, the concept of uh, genetic algorithm is that you consider your program a little bit like a uh, living being uh, in the biological sense and you allow them to mutate a little bit and you do some kind of natural selection. So natural selection gated on a, uh, on a goal. 
That is to say, if they fit the goal, they survive and reproduce, and if they don't, they go extinct. And that allows them to like organically uh, offer a solution that you may not have thought of for this goal. Uh, a little bit like uh, Darwinian natural selection uh, evolved the, the animals and so the whole question that I was thinking of is what looking at it the other way like backwards spinning the problem on its head what is the, the, the original genetic algorithm what is it optimizing for what is the universe computing <laughs> okay that was a bit of a lengthy uh, introduction I guess but well, I think we need that lengthy introduction to actually start. Uh, right at the bat, I, I think about like a lot of things uh, with that introduction. But before that, I kind of want to go back to the genetic algorithm and like what humans are solving for right now. Because I think if we start with genetic uh, algorithm as a starting point, we need to be a bit clearer on what's the question and what's the solution. Well, that's the whole question, right? Because for me, in a genetic algorithm, for example, if you take Earth and you say, okay, Earth is a genetic algorithm, the, the question is the Earth and the answer is the human. Like the constraint of the Earth is actually the question. It's the way you implement the question. It's not the, the end result. Yeah, but the end result is the answer, though. Let, let's take that with a very simple problem. Like, let's take, like, five little dots on a black background. The dots are white, like, four of the dots are, are white. One of the dots is black. Not one, maybe two. <laughs> what the fuck are you going with that? Okay. And every five seconds, everyone that is not the color of the background die, okay? And every, like, I don't know, like, three seconds, they like, they reproduce between them and take whatever. The question is, what is the best solution to that constraint? And the answer is, every dot needs to be black. But all the dots being black isn't the problem, like, isn't the question. Yes. <laughs> so the question is, how do the dots fit the background, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but... Is that the simplest problem you could think of? <laughs> <laughs> to introduce your, <laughs> to introduce your idea, this is very unnatural, but I guess it kind of works. Didn't you do something with like fishes as the school project? Yeah, but I mean, like the fishes were like way more complicated. Like there was food, there was time, there was like reproduction. Like fishes could eat each other. Like yeah, but maybe it's more intuitable. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so your point was, <laughs> my point was that there's no transcendental question that arises from the answer like you have a basic answer a basic question and the basic question is the actual constraints that you put on your on your ad and like your agents and like then your agents need to survive in that like survive in that environment survive just means like keep going so i don't think that's actually the best analogy that we can make for for the universe solving for something oh you mean uh the, so, so your point is that uh genetic algorithm are not proper model for the universe way to function no that's for sure like i mean i, I, I like was that a question like was that an actual <laughs> yeah okay no I, i'm not modeling the whole I but i don't know so my my, my, the way I look, I look at it is uh, that, you know, like there's Darwinian evolution, yeah. uh, survival of the fittest to an environment, meaning uh, if there is a resource in the environment, uh, the creature will likely tend to evolve to take advantage of it. And so this is, this seems very goal driven, you know, like the, the, when you think about 
the, ev the evolution of animals and mankind conceptually tends to be like this arrow pointing from the past to the future. It optimizes on small scale for the survival of the individual. On a bigger scale, if you're, you've read Richard Dawkins, uh, it optimizes for the survival of the of the meme, of the of the gene, which is like a book I read recently, so I'm like knee deep into it. And maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, ideas and not uh, human uh, living beings later. But for now, let's, take to, let's stick to, human, to living beings. So it like evolution evolves living being essentially to make them more fit to live longer on earth kinda mm -hmm. and like is that an end in itself or is there something more because after earth what then like it seems like evolution so far has brought animals to longer survival and by the way i don't know if it's by design or a, a byproduct but more and more uh, abstract and conceptual beings which gave rise to memes and like kind of like evolution of abstract thoughts and when you you think about the 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 ideas as uh, living entities themselves uh, if you think of memes in the dokinian sense they are not surviving to take advantage of earth resources kind of they are the surviving to spread and so what is this whole thing constituted of all the planets, all the animals and all the ideas? What is it leading towards? So that makes me think like what, what you were saying about we're not solving for surviving anymore, but we're more uh, for like spreading ID and like transforming ID. Make me think about a French author called uh, Dan Sperber. He wrote a book like, I don't know, 20 years ago called uh, In French Contagion des Idées, in English, no clue. Contagious ID, maybe? And Basically, the idea behind that is quite interesting. It talks first about like mythology and how myth survives through times because it's the best form of storytelling and it's the best structure and stories and ideas. A story changes a lot when you talk to someone. So basically, you you have your idea in your head, then you speak right there, like there's some mutation. And between the space between you and, and him, there's like there's speech and there's like languages. And then from his mind, there's some mutation from the idea. So there's actually two types of mutation. And when he like tells a story to someone else, again, there's some mutation based on culture, based on language, etc., etc. And, and what's interesting is like with each mutation, it goes the, the central idea of the story if if possible goes towards this kind of very easy to understand and very easy to accept kind of stories which have like kind of a perfect form which are like for example the greek mythology uh, tell stories that are easy to understand that like make an impact and that are pretty much like cultureless and that's why like we still know them and like we're still talking about them and like all ideas that you actually talked about and like every philo philosophical idea every every kind of idea and every kind of culture go into that transition of mutation and the only thing that actually stay are the things that is fit with uh, human cognition and that's why like it's super interesting because it's an anthropological uh, theory but that is linked to cognitive science as well because it says like okay these kind of ideas are easier for the brain to understand and to accept and to memorize versus some other kind of ideas and what's also interesting in that is like it takes again uh, this thing of mutation this thing of like survi survival of the fittest 
basically ideas that spread are, are more fit to human cognition. Yeah, so the gist of it is that discourse ideas evolve naturally through social interaction towards pure concepts, like a, a simplest, an essential the most essential form and that turns out to that, that is essential because it mirrors some part of the human psyche in summary that's that's very uh, that's very nice very cute yeah that's but yeah that's that's all gated still on on humans right it's because humans are doing the propagation like completely human centric and completely yeah, completely ID focused and like conscious being focused. So this this is like the the implementation details of the concept introduced by Richard Dawkins of ideas evolving like genes through natural selection. Okay, yeah, that was maybe like just a better way to say it. <laughs> yeah, so it seems that first uh, at the very beginning genes were evolving vis-a-vis -vis natural resources and then moved towards a more abstract space where we uh, tend to these myths uh, in that book you mentioned that I definitely have to read. It sounds like so interesting, uh, which is both like philosophy and psychology, I guess. Uh, but what, what about like after humans, when, when, when the, the ideas take off a life of their own in machine learning algorithm. Okay, you want to go that way. I was thinking about going... I don't know. <laughs> because because what, where did you want to go with like your, your machine learning? Well, I don't know. My, my, the, the big question is like, what is it optimizing for really in the end? Like, so it first optimized for survival at the scale of Earth. But if you take it at in the bigger scale, uh, like what? What? What is survival in itself optimizing for? What's the point of surviving? <laughs> what is? is it, what's the point of evolving like uh, older and older animals and uh, abstracter and abstracter uh, uh, ideas, like more and more complex ideas? Because the universe de facto evolved like longer, li longer living animals, complex and complex, uh, com more and more complex ideas, and my question is, is it leading somewhere? Is it trying to solve something? Ooh. Okay, uh, I think you're, you're going too fast. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Mount Conway. Mount Conway is a mountain located on the border of Alberta and British Columbia. It was named in 1901 by J. Norman Colley after Martin Conway, an alpinist. The, the thing I noticed at the beginning when we were talking about uh, uh, genetic algorithm is that there is, there's two things, right? There is the problem that you want to solve that doesn't really exist in the algorithm, it exists in your head, then you implement the algorithm. The way you implement it is by designing constraints and rules that make people like die and, and mutate and like several generations that will optimize a function that will in the end solve your initial problem. But the constraints that uh, we mentioned at the beginning are the means to an end, not the end in itself. For me, like we need to we need to restart the discussion basically, uh, just because uh, 
what you're saying basically is that uh, human human being and a consciousness and ID are a step toward what uh, what the universe is computing for. And I, I'm like I, I'm not saying that I don't agree with that, but we might just be byproduct. Like for example, Earth like might not be might might not compute for like human can only be like byproducts of us and consciousness can only be byproduct of us and ID can only be byproduct of us. But the idea of like the universe can like, and that's why I wanted to talk about uh, the universal constant is, is if we retake the definition of like the genetic algorithm that we talked about at the beginning is we have something with constraints and like that is like like the 20 constant of the universe and then we just push time so you think the 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 constraints are the end in itself exactly it just we have we have those constraints and then it goes forward and in that forwardness like you can find human being you can find consciousness you can find a lot of stuff but what you're really saying is that maybe there is even like nothing that it does it's just like random happening that the the constraints are what they are and there is no goal there's no concept it's tending towards it's just emerging well stuff. It com basically it computes variables like you have these 20 variables you have like a function saying like i d i like i don't know the function obviously <laughs> but there's a function and it computes those variables and uh, the the notion that one might have about being fitter and fitter to survive being more and more sophisticated and complex would be just like pure uh, egocentrical hubris. Yes. Yes, in a sense of, and, and that goes also with to have life and like to have any kind of life, you need this exact, like this exact precise variables to be that exact precise stuff. The ad hoc, uh, the, the, I don't remember the name of the argument, but like the, since we're here to observe it, it means that we have uh, conditions to to exist there's two things like obviously there's that but maybe there's a like maybe there's multiverse and so there's some universe where there's no life so it can't be like life and and understanding w what it means etc etc can't actually like if there's multiverse it can't be what it computes for or like the whole multiverse compute for that and like the other multiverse that has no life are just like byproduct Okay, I, I think the key here is the definition of for, right? I didn't mean uh, the universe is computing for something as an a priori goal that the universe was somehow designed to be. But de facto, it computes for a longer life Ooh, okay. and uh, for a uh, more sophisticated cognition. So... If like there's a weird notion of intent, but if you remove completely intent and and <laughs> I don't know, look at it as a purely computational engine, uh, just saying that the computation is for the result, forgetting the notion of the problem that you're trying to solve, taking taking the end result as the end in itself, as the goal of the the problem. What is this end result? Then it's it's obviously we can only think about that with the starting point of where we are now, meaning where we are now and as we know it now. So where we yes. are now is we're starting to create knowledge like that can reproduce itself. But I think we have a pretty interesting point of view. I mean, we've seen what happened with like purely flesh-based survival, 
And now we see the same thing happen with more abstract ideas. Also, the thing, the thing that can be interesting is a theory of, uh, I don't remember the name of that theory, but basically it says that like each thing in the new universe, like atoms, whatever, is a co has a computational power. Yeah, I love that. It's uh, the pan, uh, pan, co pan consciousness, something like that. Pan psychic uh, conception of consciousness. Uh, and and why I was talking about that? So blue blue blue. Each thing has a computational power. Yeah. And so the end goal is like what we're doing now as human being is we're transforming things that didn't have that didn't compute shit like I don't know a rock and we make it compute things. And so what the end goal could be and like what we are moving toward to is transforming any, everything into a computational power. And we're doing that as, as an atom level with quantum computer. So maybe, maybe the actual thing is right now the whole universe doesn't compute stuff, but it tends toward complete computational power, meaning each atom in the universe compute for something. Okay, so it's a computational power who is trying to increase computational power. That is cute. That's a cute model. Very, ca very capitalistic. So I'm reading a book just right now, so I can't talk about it. I only read 40 pages on uh, crypto communism. <laughs> Ooh, that's a, that sounds like my jam. <laughs> you want to the, the blockchain belongs to the people. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, no, but like, what's interesting with blockchain? So it makes me think about that. Like, okay, super interesting thing. Uh, so blockchain right now only work on what's called proof of work. So there's two big concepts, which is proof of work versus proof of stake. And the idea behind that is you need some kind of proof, like what when when a third agent says that like your transaction is good, like make actually sense with the common ledger, uh, this agent needs to say that, okay, I have skin in the game, so I don't like do bullshit. So the first method that is used by ev pretty much every cryptocurrency right now is called proof of work, meaning you make the guy compute random number, like solve for like a mathematical problem. And like, it takes a lot of power of computational power. So a lot of energy and then like, so in some money basically. And then like you can actually say, okay, this transaction is valid. The second kind of, of proof is full proof of stake. You say, okay, I bet my 40 Bitcoin that this transaction is correct. And if someone say, no, it's not, you lose your 40 Bitcoin. Ah. Uh, but you now the second one cause a lot of problems. So we don't care. Like, but let's go about proof of work because if it's a model that we're going through with like money, like after, like in like one, like I don't know, 100 years, What's interesting is then money is pure energy. Like money is equal to energy. Okay. Uh, and, and computational power equal money equal energy. And that's a fun little thing because then human beings are just uh, solving for power, money, energy at the same time. And then the universe is just like a source of power, computational, computational power, money, and energy. Well, uh, you can't increase the amount of power in the universe can you the, the amount of energy first law of thermodynamics so <laughs> uh, what, why are we making blockchains if that only decreases the amount of energy like ener it transforms it transforms inert energy into computational energy yeah and blockchain is just like the mechanism of evolution of, uni of the universe okay okay i see I see how this all fits into the, the great scheme of things. So I don't know if there is a god, but if there is, he wanted to be pure. <laughs> he wanted pure computational energy. Well, that was 
a pretty intense discussion. We even forgot to say our usual conclusion. There certainly were a lot of like ideas thrown around and alleyways that we have yet to explore. So we'll definitely follow that up. But in the meantime, we'd like to give you a warm goodbye. And don't forget to shout out to our Twitter or subreddit. Leave comments, questions, criticism insults any kind of interaction see you later in next episode but not tomorrow